This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Fiona Palmer, welcome to Better Reading. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be back. Yes, yeah. I think it was at the beginning of COVID, the last time we spoke, back in 2020, wasn't it? Gosh, yeah. Like a million miles away. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Fiona Palmer is the best-selling Australian author of books including The Long Weekend, Tiny White Lies and Matters of the Heart. Before becoming an author, she was a speedway driver for seven years and now spends her days writing both women's and young adult fiction. Fiona also works as a farmhand in the small community she lives and it's 350 kilometres from Perth. Um, she's here to talk about her latest book. It's a family drama. It's called The Wrong Sister and it's a heartfelt story about dreams and the importance of family and finding your true self. So I can never get my head around this. How does 350,000 kilometres from Perth look like? Where are you? Yeah, I sort of tell people it's either halfway to Esperance um, or I sort of say we're between uh, or near Wave Rock. Everyone seems to know Wave Rock in Hyden. So you just go for the biggest landmark. But we are just a tiny town in the middle of farming area. So everywhere around me is just paddocks and paddocks. (laughs) And so is it just you and your family there? Um, And how far is the nearest neighbour? Yeah, I'm in town. So there's about four houses in town and we're next to the the little shop, but, um, you know, we're next to a big, um, the CBH bins on one side and paddocks out the back. And um, probably our nearest towns are all about 60 k's away. Yeah. Uh, My kids had to go to the Lake Grace School, which is it was a good two hours a day uh, for them on the bus, uh, which may go on to work a bit easier than riding. But, yeah, it's pretty isolated. I was born and raised here and my parents are still here. It's very much a small family community and I guess it's this community that inspired my writing to begin with. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it was born out of a, uh, a need, I think. Um, I was flat out working, running the local shop and two little kids And I just, there was no time for me to write. So I sort of created a story in my mind and it just kind of became a bit obsessed with it and it took up all the space in my brain. So I had to start writing it out. Um, And I'd been to secretary school, so I'd learned to touch type. So I could really quickly bash out a chapter while the kids were sleeping or between breaks and the customers. And it, it just sort of went from there. It sort of was born, I guess, of a desire to tell our stories out here in the country. Um, I'm totally inspired by 
the landscapes out here. You know, there's something about sitting outside watching a storm on a hot day and the mm. um, lightning cracking across the sky and, and all these things, they reinvigorate me and, and that's sort of why I wanted to write as well as the characters out in the country, some awesome people and, yeah, I just felt a need to tell stories. So you grew up where you are, but tell me what that was like. You know, where was your local school? Is it where your kids go? And talk to me how you, you must have had a love of reading as well at some point. So talk to me about that. Well, back when I was little, which seemed like a long time ago now, mm-hmm. um, we actually had a school here and there was probably around 30 kids at the school. Uh, it closed down in 1998, I believe trying to test my memory there. Uh, So I went to school there and I only had two other people in my year Mm -hmm. and the classrooms were a junior room and a senior room. So the senior room was like year uh, four up to year seven or something and we're all in together and it was such a great way to grow up. You know, I spent my days after after school playing outside in the bush, riding our bikes everywhere, building bike tracks and walking too. There's a big rock out the back and we just spend our days outside playing. And of course, I suppose on rainy days, I would sit in my room and I would write, not stories as much. I'd just write my feelings down in, I wouldn't even say I was writing in a journal. I'd just feel the need, put music on and I'd want to write these little pieces about my mom or my dad or my brother and, and just life in general. So I guess that's probably where my writing started. I wasn't a big reader, mainly because I was always outside. Yeah. And do you still have some of those? Um, I do. I come yeah, is that cute? Yeah. Every now and then and I read them and I think, gosh, you know, yeah. there's, there I was, I can't think how old I would have been, eight or nine or ten, and and writing with passion, like I can remember writing it and getting upset thinking about you know, if I was writing about my dad and get very emotional. So very emotional person, really. And where did you go to high school? Um, went away to boarding school at Narragin. So that's oh, it's about an hour and a half drive from here. And it was sort of the next government school where you could board because um, mm-hmm. high school's not many out here. So I spent year eight to year 11 uh, boarding school, which was great. It just grows your independence more, I think. Uh, as a kid, you got to learn to fend for yourself a fair bit. Did and you yeah, miss home? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You do. Um, but as as you always look at it, when you come home, you just can't wait to see your parents. Mm-hmm. Whereas I look at kids, you know, now with their, at home with their parents and they're always flying yeah. and stuff, whereas we were never like that. <laughs> Because you were so happy to see them. I went to a, a school where there were boarders. I wasn't one of them. But I would always think, particularly the Year 7 ones, those first year ones, I, they'd break my heart. Even when I was in Year 7, it broke my heart. And yeah. I always thought it might, they must be so homesick. They're so little, aren't they? They are. They just And every time you get to the next year and the influx of the little kids that come in, you're like, oh, my oh, gosh. They're so, I know. <laughs> they're so little. Will your kids go to boarding school? Yeah, they did. They've um, they've actually finished. Both mine are now. Gosh, I can't believe it. Um, my wow. son, he's the youngest and he finished this year, but he's already straight into full-time work. He's got an apprenticeship. So um, and he's moved into a house by himself and, and I sort of have no kids now. <laughs> yeah. 
empty nester. Now I want to know what does your work day look like when you're not writing? Like, you know, tell me what it's like to be a stock hand. Is that what it is that you do? Yeah, farm hand. At the moment moment it's harvest time. So I'll get up at five um, because my husband heads off to work then as well because he's got to drive and manage a bin. So I'll get up and pack my lunch and then head head out to the paddock about 6.30. seven and I'll clean my header so I'll blow down the air filter and um, check the oil and grease it up and and then I'll start harvesting and I'll do that until nine ten o'clock at night maybe later if there's rain coming Wow! and then I'll get home and pretty much just eat shower and back to bed and then repeat. <laughs> so when you're on that machine are you listening to anything? Yeah, definitely. It is okay. almost my favourite time of the year because I have a collection of audio books saved up. Yeah. Um, and at this moment, I've just uh, started The Tilt by Chris Hammer, so I'm very excited oh, about wow. that. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, aren't we lucky? Audio books have just, I mean, they've been life-changing. for. I mean, they've been around a long time, but not as accessible as they are now. Yeah. And the, I mean, especially for country people or really anyone who you're yeah. always in the car a lot these days and often solo so for me it is the perfect time to catch up on my reading well and also where's your closest bookshop yeah exactly <laughs> and not <laughs> I don't yeah. know I have to go to the city I think yeah 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 so that's a very physical day right so tell me about a writing day what does that look like a writing day well for the last few years I've been combining it with work so most of the time I'd go to work and do an eight-hour day and then come home, have dinner, and then I'd sit in the office and write. And I'd usually get 2,000 words done in that time and then head to bed. But it it just sort of got a bit much, I think, trying to do two jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, at some times I would work three days a week and have two days off and they would be my writing days. So I'd have to really do as much as I could in those two days. And I guess balancing it with a job meant I couldn't faffer about so much I had to be pretty (laughs) onto it and being at work allowed my brain space to think about what I was going to write next so it actually kind of works your head yeah 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 all right tell me about your first book and how that came to be and how it was published because when we're talking about the genre back then I mean I don't know whether you were writing to genre were you writing rural fiction back then or you were just writing what you knew because you know you're one of the very few people that actually lives and breathes what you write really yeah it was I actually wrote really just what I live yeah. And it wasn't until I'd finished it, Marty gave me Rachel Treasure's book, Jillaroo, and said, this is so like yours. And I read it and I realised that there were stories like this out there. So I went straight to Penguin and they signed me up from there, which was amazing. But back then there was no such thing as a, a rural genre at all. Um, that I what knew. do you mean they signed you up back then? What, you went to them and ha- yeah. tell me how that came about though. Well, after I saw Rachel, read Rachel's book and loved it and that just gave me the confidence to know that they do publish books like this. So I pretty much wrote that in the letter. I addressed it to Penguin and said, I write like Rachel Treasure and I think there should be more books like this because, you know, I love rural. Yeah. <laughs> I live it. Yeah. And I sent the first three chapters off to their slush pile and it found its way into Ali Watts's hand and she requested the rest of it 
and then signed me up just like that. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is really amazing. I mean, you know, because as you know, you'll know lots of authors that um, it didn't happen that quickly for them. No, I really think I was right place, right time. And Blue McDonald came out that same year as I did our first books together. And yeah, then we just it just grew and grew and became its own genre, which is amazing. I think it's really good for the rural. Well, it is because I think there there is a romanticism around, you know, living in the country. And even though these books, a lot of these fiction books do have a romantic element, that's not what they're about. It is about the hard work and, and the life that it is. And it's not necessarily easy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's I mean, it's very much romanticised, especially with the TV shows getting around and they're all very romantic, but there's that other side, the battle side, you know, the battling, the hardships. Mm. The the drought um, side, the yeah. no money side, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's why a lot of a lot of people like to give work to country kids because well, they've been working since they were little on the farms, you know. I've mm. I've got nieces and nephews that are mm. um, driving big tractors at 14 and helping the, on the farms and, and you know, we're just like the rest of the world. There's there's death, there's hardships, there's depression, suicide. So I don't like to, I guess you've got to balance the romance with reality and life's not always rosy. I mean, mm. I do like a romantic book. I love a happy ending, but, you know, you can have. There's a lot in between. Yeah, exactly. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So you got your first book published um, and mm-hmm. how did you feel about that? Did you think, oh, gosh, I'm a writer now? No, it was it was kind of really strange and I just sort of swanned around and then yeah. Ellie said, have you got a second book? And I went, oh, okay, you want a second book? <laughs> I realize, you know, I just hadn't thought about it. And then, yeah, so got into it and one book a year from then on, it was crazy. Mm. What book number are you up to? Oh, I think 18 or something. Oh, wow. Um, I've lost count. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I think around 18. I've got my four book series, YA book in there, and as well as a very short story available, The Empty Nest, which is about kids going away to boarding school. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't count that one. It's just a... That was a little fun project. Mm. Okay, so when we're talking about uh, The Wrong Sister, it's a slight change of genre, isn't it? Talk to me about that. Yeah, I sort of, I think when you're pegged in with rural and writing about the same sort of things, things started to get a bit repetitive for me. You know, I kind of felt like 
every time I wrote a sentence, I was like, have I said this before? You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're mm-hmm. always pulling on their work boots and they're always <laughs> doing, mm-hmm. getting in a car. And there's just so many things that just felt the same. And I wanted to branch out and have a bit more diversity. And so that's sort of what led going into a bit more sort of women's fiction, uh, a bit more mainstream. But I still like, I guess, the landscape as a character and hence why, you know, The Wrong Sister is set at Karajini and uh, Albany. It's just I still can't help but write uh, the landscape mm. into my books. Well, that's what you know. I mean, if you're writing in a, a urban setting, you'd have to do some research around that, I'd gather. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever lived in the city? Um, after school, I went and lived in Perth when I went to college. So it was an eye-opener. But Did you feel like a fish out of water? A little bit. You know, it, it is very different. But, I mean, I go to the city quite often because you do a trip and you go mad. You've got to buy everything you need to last for another month or so. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're up there quite often. And, oh, gosh, I love going to the movies. I love going to the shops and going to the book department in particular because that you know that's still exciting for me shopping is exciting Mm. I don't get to do it very often Mm. Uh, has technology changed country life like particularly where you are in such a remote area I mean talk to me about the impact of technology in a full house town I mean It, it is still quite slow I mean my brother lives in the city and we're often complaining about how he pays nothing for unlimited internet Mm. and we're paying through the nose for like, you know, 80 gig Mm. and stuff like this. So there's always going to be that behind us or our signal. You know, we struggle Mm. for signal, but still I'm able to talk to you today. And when I do research, I can, my laptop is my library. I can find anything on here. So it does say, because there's no libraries around here. Mm. So Mm. I don't have the luxury of just, I'll just pop over there and do a bit of research on this and that. So it is hard, but um, like with the wrong sister, we were actually going up to Karajini and straight from the moment I knew we were going there, I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to write a book up there because, you know, to experience something like that firsthand, it's just, how can you not write about it? <laughs> Extraordinary. So the town that you're, that you're in and that you're growing up in, the, the full house town, how, talk to me about the change there. How, how does the country change? Because... There are changes, aren't there? It was a bustling town when the school was here. You know, there was yeah. always school events, but when the school closed down and a few of the families moved away to bigger towns to school their kids and the town sort of shrunk and then you got bigger farmers buying out little farmers, so it gets smaller again. And, I mean, our whole district, that's probably only just 30 people in, you know, our sort of district area. Um, but we still all get together and have Christmas drinks under the tree and, um, you know, Friday nights. And during winter, we light a big bonfire and people stand around it. And so it hasn't been the same people over the years? Oh, yeah. They're all the same. It's like <laughs> my dad, he moved here when he was he's 17 and he goes, and I still don't feel like a local. You know, there's still yeah. that. Yeah, um, but yeah. people, you know, they still think of him as a local, but he himself gets that vibe. So it's a four house town, but my parents live two doors up. So, you know, you can say we own half the town nearly. Yeah, um, that's right. And will your children do the same, do you think? No, I've got a daughter that's moved with her boyfriend to a town an hour and a half away, but it's a country town. And yeah. my son moved an hour away to another country town. So they're both very much countryfied kids. Like the, th- the thought of going to the city does not interest them at all. They love the open space and 
It's just so much more relaxed, I think. Mm. Yeah, oh, they, they it's like, got to be. Yeah, feels a bit more relaxed. Like when we go for a drive, I don't really have to pay much attention. I can listen to my audio book, but when I'm in the city, there's no way I can sort of focus on an audio book and try and focus on the traffic. It's a bit, no, <laughs> it's a bit harder. So, talk to me about what a day looks like when you're writing. You know, because that's your children aren't there anymore. Um, And is it like an office environment? Yeah, I've just got an office at the back of the house and it's quite messy at the moment. There's the chaos of Christmas coming up and everything else, but I just mainly sit in here and tinker. I guess I do most of my thinking when I'm out and about and I like to come down and um, sit in here and it's pretty bland in here, which is good because I need less distractions as possible because mm-hmm. already my kettle calls me often and does the fridge. So <laughs> with the wrong sister. So you don't have a sister, do you? Just a no. brother. I've Just a brother. Who are like my sisters. Right. And yeah. so the inspiration for that story came from where? Well, it was funny because I thought I've got my setting, Carrigini, and then I yep. had to to come up with a story and I can't really remember how the Sutton family came about. I'm not sure how it sort of merged, but I love my family. We have a big family. We've got a lot of aunties and uncles. So I guess that is a big reason why I love writing family dramas. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you talk about big family because I've got four sisters and a brother, you know, and that's a big family. Yeah. There's six of us. I guess if I was a writer, there'd be a lot of... Um, inspiration there if you'd like was it for you in writing this book as well a desire to have a sister or know what having a sister feels like yeah I often tell my brother he is my sister oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> talk to me about that he grew up with all us cousins so you know I I have four really close female cousins and we grew up like sisters and you know spent every holidays together and my poor brother was the only boy amongst us, so he'd often get dressed up in girls' clothes and all sorts of things, so we had fun. Uh, they've always been my sisters to me and they're always there anytime I need them and I think that's another thing with writing about family is family can be what you make it, whether you're immediate blood, whether you, you know, it's just a lifelong friend and I love figuring out those, those dynamics and writing about them. Where has your brother moved to? Um, well, he was in the army, so he was all around Australia right. for a while, and I didn't get to see much of him. But he since, you know, left that, and he lives um, just south of Perth, and it's so good to be able to catch up with him yeah. a lot more now um, and see his kids. And yeah, we're very family orientated. So mm-hmm. again, I want to go back to the book, The Wrong Sister. Lots of issues in there. I mean, of course, it's fiction, and and you're writing that. That inspiration comes from your own family. But what about the drama of it? Where does that come from? I don't know. I just, I think in all the books and movies I've watched, you've got to have drama because that's what brings it along. So as I write, I'm always thinking, you know, something needs to happen. Mm. And I have half an idea and then sometimes it'll it'll morph and become more drama, you know, and mm. you always think more is better and then I'll leave the, uh, the publish it, tone it down if it gets too much. But I think I don't want it to be over the top. I still want my stories to be relatable. I want them to feel like it could be anyone's story. Mm. And and there's a lot of real stories in there. Like there's snippets of people, I suppose, and uh, events that have happened. I mean, myself, I did attend a um, 
John Butler concert down in Albany. So, you know, again, it's right what you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were saying earlier about, you know, place is the story as well. And do you, does place come first and story come second for you? Yes, most of the time it does, I think. It's mm-hmm. I need to see the world before I create the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not often that I'll have a person in mind I want to write and then think, where's she going to go? For me, I kind of know the world in which my characters are in and then and then they just form to suit, you know, the rest of it. It's, I don't know, it's a very organic process. I'm not very, yeah, it's very hard to explain uh, mm-hmm. how it just seems to keep morphing. Do you think you'll you'll kind of come and go with different genres? The next one I want to write, I'm taking a bit of a break at the moment, um, but I still have two story outlines which I've sent to the publisher and both of them are actually going back to the country. Um, I guess I, I tend to not think I'm either this or I'm that. Mm. I like to flow um, mm. pretty much mm. in myself, you know, like people. I'm not just an author, I'm also a farmhand and a mum and, you know, we're not always pigeonholed in one thing. So, um, And you're also a dreamer. You imagine other things. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, I don't don't really want to be stuck in, in a hole. I'd like to flow. You know, like my YA was something completely different genre as well and I, I think it goes to where I'm, where I feel comfortable is where my brain will take me and my next step is back to the country for a few stories which I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> well, we can't wait. Mm. Uh, Fiona Palmer thank you so much for your time today. I'm always fascinated about your life and maybe one day one day I'll get out to see you. <laughs> yes or do I'll give you the grand tour yeah. And climbing and have a drink under the tree. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Fiona. No worries. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.